Avengers! Hello everyone and welcome back to Excelsior, the world's number one Marvel's Avengers podcast and Guardians of the Galaxy. I am your director, Christian Buckley, joined as always by the Apex legend, Jack Martin. A hearty Excelsior to you, Christian. Uh, good to be back with you for the second time this week. We had our Loki uh, Season 1 finale discussion, Loki Season 1 overall discussion earlier this week which is really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, now we're back in the swing of things with some Marvel's Avengers news. And man, I feel like the Marvel gods blessed us specifically this week, Christian. Because not only did we get a really good Loki finale, we got some good news for this game. And I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's it was great news, and then reality kicked in, then it became good news. But it's still (laughs) good news, you know? So... Uh, We will get to some recaps of some new Black Panther War for Wakanda information that's come out this past week. In the back half of the show, we're going to be giving our spoiler-free, then spoiler-filled impressions of Black Widow and rank it amongst the MCU. And, like Jack said, if you did miss it on the podcast feeds or youtube.com slash joyclicks, you can see our discussion extremely hot off the presses. That was like within, what, two hours of both of us finishing that episode of Loki? Yeah, that, that'd be like if you ate a piece of pizza and you burned the roof of your mouth. That's how hot those impressions were. Yeah, so before we dive into this week's episode of Excelsior for the standard drop, uh, I guess quick update. Has anything changed since you're, we talked about Loki for you? Are you still as high as you were on Wednesday? I'm still pretty high about it. Um, considering a lot of the comments post-season uh, finale from the creative uh, leads from that show have been like yeah this is going to be uh the ending of that show will have ramifications for the mcu it's not just like this isolated incident that is only going to be dealt with uh in terms of loki the loki tv show so yeah i'm feeling pretty good about it it was a really good finale and a, a really great season overall and i'm very much looking forward to season two how about you yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I really enjoyed it. I ranked it pretty high in my personal ranking. I think it'll stay there. Um, obviously, it's only been a few days, but I, I did watch Ragnarok since then. And I thought that was very interesting because I remembered a lot of people, or at least one of the major complaints I saw since finale was, oh, it, like, Loki's character feels so different from Ragnarok, and then he jumps to where he is in Ragnarok at the beginning, but, like, Man, I watched Ragnarok the same day of that finale. That's a different a different person at that point in Loki's life. Like it's very very different. I give Tom Hiddleston props for being able to it, within the first two episodes of that season get to that point emotionally that he was in Ragnarok and then go further cuz it's very impressive, I think. Oh yeah. What's uh what's next for you? Is it Infinity War after Ragnarok? Yep, Infinity War and Endgame, and then uh, Far From Home, and then I can finally uh, look peacefully on a grateful universe, <laughs> you know? Very nice. So, uh, we, we can do an updated full-blown ranking quite soon, probably next week, honestly, because I'll, I'll have Ooh. Far From Home watched as well by then, so. Oh, that, that sounds good to me. Excellent. Well, in the meantime, why don't we get to Fury's report for Avengers this week, If you want to do your low power level mission for gear, guaranteed drops for your low level heroes, you can do Along Came a Spider, Black Widow mission, appropriate since that movie's out here now, 
the high power level is Day of the Remains. Jack, what is this? Couldn't tell you. Could not tell you. At least we're consistent. That's what I like to see. <laughs> yep. You know, we, we've had, what is it, um, 40-something weeks to be, 46-plus yeah. weeks to be on the ball with these. Um, and you know what? We'll get into it later. We we won. We won the war. We did. Because there's only, they're, they're going to merge these low-power, high-power uh, missions. We'll talk about it more later. But we don't need to know these missions. We don't need to know the name. Um, so who cares? Yeah. We won. We did win. It took us, like you said, 46 weeks. And you know what's funny, Jack? Some of the shows on Joy Clucks don't have episode numbers because with an Avengers thing, weekly updates for this game, it seems more likely, you know, how just titling works to do the week of this, what's relevant in the game this week, as opposed sure. to Jedi Knights, let's say, which sure i guess there's weekly updates for episodes of shows but like that's just that's an episode number you know i mm-hmm. i don't know how how many episodes of this show we've done all together i'd be very interested to go back and count and see what our current episode number is because we've done much more than 46 episodes of excelsior together i know that excelsior plus the excelsior prime yes yeah i feel like if we looked at the playlist on joy clicks I feel like I've looked at that recently. It was in the 60s. Okay. Impressive. So, yeah. Good job. Look at us. We yeah. made it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Not me. Um, <laughs> the Harm Room Challenge this week. This is actually staying in the game, you know, the Harm Room Challenge, despite being, I'd say, the least exciting thing out of these weekly updates, is staying the same. You will get Ms. Marvel 2014 number two for your comic book collections if you want to complete it. And in the marketplace this week, we got some more Team Magma, as I'm calling them, skins for Cap, Tony, Kate, and Widow. And Jack, I know we talked about them last week, but with the current rotation of the Magma skins, this new Thor, let's not talk about Black Widow right now. Do you have a favorite out of that bunch? Out of the whole Team Magma bit, or just the ones this week? Just the ones this week. Hmm. I mean, I would probably say Iron Man. He's it's the more bulky Iron Man. There, it's it looks like there's more lava on his skin than there are on uh the other skins. But honestly, like I like these. I do appreciate the the lava aesthetic. They are all like basic black bases plus the lava, so mm-hmm. it's nothing too exciting. But if I had to pick, it'd be Iron Man. How about you? Yeah. Uh, I think Iron Man looks the best. I do like the Kate outfit she's wearing. I think that's her Young Avengers debut outfit, like with the scarf and the coattail on one side or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I like that look for Kate. So seeing this animated skin, I think is a good one. But yeah, I think the Iron Man one looks the most fitting for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, but you must be eating well, potentially this week yeah not too well yeah more like a this is like a uh you get like a free apple pie with your mcdonald's meal somehow somehow and it's like cool very even though this isn't free very quick aside uh about apple pies and mcdonald's funny story yeah in high school one day because it's a very hot day out right now so i remembered this around this time in high school went to the beach with some friends there's a mcdonald's on the beachfront where we went to right 
after the beachfront day, we went to McDonald's before we left, and my friend went up and he said, can I have two McChickens and two apple pies? Because, you know, McDonald's has apple pies. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. All of us got our food except for him. And then the employee came out with two bags of ice. And he was like, where's my apple pies? And they were like, oh, we don't serve apple pies and we never have. So we just, I thought you said ice because it's hot. So he had to, he had to pay for those. And then we left. (laughs) What? Yeah. Bags of ice. Apple pies, bags of ice. I think there's a match of syllables there maybe, but (laughs) that Uh. is something. Now he just, that was like a Mandela effect. Yeah. Maybe maybe that particular McDonald's has never sold apple pies, but like I've certainly eaten a, an apple pie at McDonald's. Yeah, they're like a little popover. That's what they look like, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Who I I don't get it, but I think I think that was the right way to phrase the way I'm looking <laughs> at this Thor, right? Where I want a Thor skin so bad, I want an apple pie, but then they're <laughs> like, "Hey, it's hot out." You know what's hot out. Here's a bag of ice where I'm like, okay, sure. I, this isn't what I asked for, but I might take this because it could be nice. Um, I don't know the proper name of this Thor skin, but I refer to him as Diner Alaska Thor. That's just the energy he gives me. Yeah, the proper name, the God-given name is Thor's Norwegian Cabin Outfit. So okay. I would say I would say fairly close. Okay. Same vicinity. You know... He reminds me of when I saw that outfit with that looking Thor, it reminded me of Henry Cavill from the beginning of Man of Steel, where he's in the yep. diner. You nailed it. That's where my mind was, you know? So I think it yeah, was, this, I might buy it. This one is. I, I appreciate the casual ones. Now, this is a 900 credit skin. Um, so I certainly won't be buying this. But if you have some uh, spare credits. I do. I have plenty. Maybe you're, maybe you're considering this. Yeah, I, I think though you you tempered me a bit, so I might wait till the next sale because I imagine nine hundred skins usually get discounted. I bet this will be discounted, so I'll wait on it. But I will pick it up at some point. Yeah, for for seven hundred, five hundred. Oh yeah, that's that's an appropriate amount, I would say. Hell yeah, because Thor I think has great casual skins like the the t shirt, the, the Tims, like they they look good on him. So. I think he wins that category more so than any other avenger oh absolutely for sure um in terms of winning the shop this week though the black widow suit is still there from the new film uh which i think looks great i bought it last week i don't know how limited this one's gonna be i don't think any of the mcu skins have left the shop yet but i could maybe see this one rotate out at some point because it's not part of the end game set so if you're interested in it maybe act soon but that's just a gut feeling. That's based off of no fact. So yeah, we don't don't really know about that. Um, but I haven't bought this, or I haven't bought it. Probably not going to. I have the cheap knockoff one. I'm just sure. gonna stick with that. What if it had a vest? No, because no? the vest, the whole vest joke, didn't do it for me. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. Touchy subject. I see. No, it's fine. But that is it for your weekly updates. So why don't we talk about the update updates? Um, upcoming update to Mega Hives is the way they phrased it in the War Table blog this week. And I was like, I read that. 
I understand it, but it feels vague to the point where is this the next update coming to the game? Or is this just the next Mega Hive update? Like, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't really sure based off the phrasing if I should expect this within the next few days. Or the next time they decide to update the Mega Hive, this is the update they're bringing. Do you have any clarity yeah. on that? So, I believe I read this early in the morning. So, my brain wasn't all quite there. And it still isn't all quite there. It never really is. Um, but I took this as maybe, like, the next update for the game. Like, next week, this would be multiplayer Mega Hives. Um, maybe I'm misreading that. I do think the language isn't the clearest it could be. Um, at the very least... I think this is saying the next update for the Mega Hives, whenever that will be, mm -hmm. will f feature multiplayer. Which is exciting. Right. I, I cannot yeah. wait to squat up with you and play through what? Uh, they're cutting it in half, so not 44s, yeah. but um, 20? Four, e Maybe? maybe? It's, it's four gauntlets. Yes. Full so. of X amount of floors. Uh, but... Yeah, I'm like lowercase e excited for this, you know? Yeah, uh, would your excitement change at all if you knew that you're going to be getting a guaranteed piece of the Hive Mind gear set for completing your weekly Hive, Mega Hive? Um, potentially. <laughs> Can you explain <laughs> what the Hive Mind exotic gear even is? So the Hive Mind exotic gear is one of the gear sets because normally, at least in Destiny and in most games like this, when there's like an exotic helmet, it's part of an exotic set. So like, um, the hive mind exotic gear set is just like the hive mind chest, the hive mind helmet, gauntlets and boots, or like whatever permutation of that there would be for each character. So normally in games like this, like a Destiny or Diablo to my knowledge, if you have the full set, you will get an extra boost for some mm. sort of stat or a modifier but I have not researched the exotic gear sets in Avengers because I have felt no need to, but the exotic set tied to the Mega Hive, so the exotics that drop anytime you play the Mega Hive, are part of that Hive Mind gear set. So I know both of us have run the Mega Hive to completion at least once. Did you get an exotic out of it? I've actually done the Mega Hive recently probably within the past two weeks i've done it both weeks okay so i've gotten they give you two now mm -hmm. as far as i'm aware i so, may have gotten the hive mine some of the the thing is i just don't pay attention to gear that much like i right, really yeah. just don't uh so i very well could be in possession of this or i couldn't be couldn't tell you yeah and honestly i don't think you have to have the answer to that because currently gear means almost nothing in this game in right. terms of just being able to hold your own i haven't touched gear on some of my lower level characters and i'm still playing the game fine only going down like one or two times but for those that are maybe future proofing for a point where gear is going to be important and is going to have a big sway on your performance this is a guaranteed way for you to get some exotic sets and they're also giving you another way to earn exotics every week. They want to bump up your chances of getting an exotic because so far at least it's either been very, very random, 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 or 
you try through the Mega Hive, which up to this point has been an ordeal. So they are now, as you mentioned earlier, Jack, getting rid of the priority missions as we know them. They are going to be merging priority missions, your low power level and high power level mission, into one singular mission every week that will drop prior Mega Hive exotics. So if you want exotics, you have multiple options now. Priority missions are going to mean something. I'm very curious to see what the drop rate is like on these. Like, is it once a week per, per account? Is it per character? How often am I going to be getting exotics? Am I going to be able to get a full set very quickly? Is that a detriment to the gear grind of this game? Is there a gear grind? These are my questions right now. <laughs> but for you, hearing this news, does that make you excited to do the weeklies? In a way, it does. I feel like this is the most exciting development update for me this week. Multiplayer Mega Hive, that's fine. I think we'll do it. I'll tell you what, Christian. I think we'll do it probably once. Yeah, yeah. Maybe twice. <laughs> um, but for this to be able, and we talked about this last week about retooling the rewards for priority missions, and I said, very dumbly now, looking back on it, I said, I don't think they'll ever do exotic gear for priority missions because that'll just be too easy. Yeah. I was thinking something more like Polycorn or something. But here we are, a week later. I got my dunce hat on. Yeah, who's, who's Boo Boo the Fool today? Me. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. And they, they're dropping exotic gear for the priority missions, and it's not even just priority missions. It's one priority mission per week, which simplifies it. Who You said it last week. Who's even doing the low-power priority mission? Um, yeah. So yeah, I this is a great move. It's again another small addition and mm -hmm. uh, retooling for this game. Uh, but this is just like the snowball effect where the quality of life of this game has improved uh, fairly dramatically since launch, and this is just another small, cool little addition. And I will probably be doing, dare I say it, I will probably be doing the priority mission every week now. Yeah, and I, I'm I am curious. Because I think, I could be proven wrong, but I imagine based off the way this game handles things so far, I think with the hero XP thing, it is tied to your account, not your character, like the XP boosters. Mm -hmm. I could see a world, maybe we already know this because, and I wouldn't because I don't play the Mega Hive every week, but if it's tied to your account, if like your completion of the priority mission every week for an exotic piece of gear is account-based, you have to be very, very specific about which character you pick to run that mission every week, because if you play it, if I play it as Thor, let's say, the first week they do this, if I get an exotic, it is for Thor, you know? And if I wanna get an exotic for Hawkeye, tough luck, wait till next week. So I could see that be maybe a holdup for some people, and to play, I'm a beginner of this game as well, I could see a world where, yes, we do clown in the low priority mission, but for like new players, not having a guaranteed low gear drop is probably like a future issue, but maybe they'll have something to address that or act instead of the low power level mission for beginners or returning players around the War for Wakanda content drop, but I could see that become a problem long-term where it's more intimidating for new players to get into the game and have a steady gear power level grind. 
Sure. I don't think it takes... I'd, I'd say I don't think it takes too, too long to get one character up to parity sure. these days, especially with the uh, like the XP boosters. And if you're coming into this game for like $20, you just play through the campaign, pick a character that you really like, and then, you know, sort of get up. So um, I think overall this is a pretty good move. Um, and it's just another, it's another, even though I don't care about gear really all that much, I do like the idea of having exotic gear that I can just pick and choose from. Mm-hmm. So if I can get into this uh, game once a week to maybe one day a week do the villain sectors, get some polycoron, and get a um, exotic gear from the priority mission, that's good enough for me. Where that adds another hour or two of playtime for me to this game each week, which is great. Yeah, it's definitely a move catered to the us's of the world right that have been playing this game since launch have multiple hundreds of hours logged because it's it very much on paper is not a move for new players but right now there's no new players that are coming in in significant numbers right so i'm with you i think it's an overall net positive for everyone um and I do think it introduces things of like, okay, what happens when everybody completes the gear sets? How often are there going to be new exotic gear sets? Because uh, at least in Destiny, when seasons start up, which usually lasts a few months, that bring new activities or incentivize activities that are already in the game to be played for a grind. They usually bring with them a new exotic that you can earn in a number of ways. So don't know what the pace is going to be like for introducing new exotics in this game. I'm sure we'll get new exotics for War for Wakanda, but again, future problem. We'll wait and see. For now, this is a good move. Agreed. So, uh, Not really an update, though. I did see this on the subreddit, just because we're speaking of respecting your active player base. Did you see that some players got emails with, like, uh, a little message that they're like hey you're one of our top players in terms of your playtime here's 60 square enix points so you can get a iron man fig pin on the store no <laughs> I-, I checked my email i wasn't seeing anything christian i gotta imagine yeah we're like top five i right like top five percent yeah yeah maybe, maybe like, like top seven maybe. but yeah <laughs> like I can't imagine, like, we've put over 200 hours in this game. Yeah. Why would anyone in their right minds do that? Why would anyone else do that? <laughs> right? I don't know. I mean, I imagine out of the, at least my Twitter circle, right, there's a couple other Avengers fan pages. I know there's, like, Assemble, uh, which is in the kind of funny mm-hmm. community. I know, I think there's also a Assemble podcast which is all like prevalent on the subreddit and like Miller, I know probably puts a lot of time in, but like outside of that, I don't know how many people on YouTube are talking about this game in a positive fan side manner right now. And I'd say pretty much every time we're sitting down to have an episode recording for the most part, since the last episode, I have at least another hour in the game. Yeah. Recently I have been jumping back in for like smaller little things if if it's like oh i got a podcast to listen to i'll just get some polycoron that's what i've been doing yeah it's been adding up 
and and lately I've been doing uh, the challenge card grinding because the Red Room Takeover is back, and I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again. I, I did a video explaining it in depth on the channel, but for sure, if you are sitting on challenge cards, Red Room Takeover, Room 2, first three waves, rinse, repeat, do your knockout challenges. It's very, very fast, and it'll help you skyrocket through the challenge card and get the microtransaction currency, and you won't have to spend a single cent to buy costumes. It's very nice. It's but genius. It truly is genius. It is, and they probably know that, and that's why they took the Red Room Takeover <laughs> out that one time. So, yep. Anyways, um, we like the game. I'd like a fake pin one day, you know? It's a, it's a cool thing. Yeah. Anyways, um... That's been pretty much it for the major stuff on the blog this week, so time to dip into some stark realities. Earlier this week, Entertainment Weekly put up an interview with some people from Crystal Dynamics, mainly an interview with Christopher Judge, the voice actor, performer of Kratos from God of War 2018. You know his voice. He is also now cast as King T'Challa, Black Panther, in the War for Wakanda expansion. Listeners of this show, the agents of Excelsior, you know this because you're well-informed. Um, we've known this for what, Jack, like six months? Yeah, we've known this since the end of 2020, like post-launch. And yeah. it's really fun. Like, there's a lot to this story, and it's that's not necessarily just the... The heart of the story is, like, Christopher Judge taking the role of Black Panther in, like, the most prominent role since uh, 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 Chadwick Boseman's passing. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's, you know, why this story was written. But it is funny that this was, like, a big news story and Entertainment Weekly was like, we can exclusively confirm. And it's like, wow, we kind of already knew that. But it, I just thought it was funny when, yeah. when this popped up. Yeah, like, you and I heard his delivery in december i think like we heard some of those lines i was like oh shit that's really good he sounds great mm -hmm. but now it's officially confirmed a uh, very interesting interview with entertainment weekly i'll list it in the description of the podcast on youtube and uh, audio versions but very insightful things from him uh i was surprised that he initially denied the role but ended up coming back to it i thought that was very interesting but yeah, and I, I believe he was doing work for the role before Chavik Bozeman's death. Mm -hmm. And then that continued afterward. Um, yeah. Or it was right around the time of that. So it's it's a very emotional uh, article, mo very emotionally driven. Uh, and it's it's mostly, like I said, it's mostly, the story here is that this is the first person to take up the role of T'Challa since um, Chadwick Boseman. So that's like the heart of the story, but we did get some details as well for the expansion. Yeah. Um, do you want to go into a bit more about this take on T'Challa first, or do you want to get into the little flub? Uh, yeah, let's let's do T'Challa, since we're already on it. Yeah, okay. So despite what you said about this being the first prominent portrayal of T'Challa since Chadwick Boseman, it sounds like... I mean, in line with what Crystal's been saying since they revealed Marvel's Avengers, um, it's very much their own take, right? Like, they, they don't want it confused with the films. They don't want it influenced by the films. They, the, all the, the Walmart version of the Avengers jokes that people had, it's like they were 
actively doing that so there wasn't a comparison. Now, I find it interesting because story-wise, this T'Challa does seem quite different from the MCU T'Challa, but cool fact, I'll shout this out, the dialect coach who worked on the film also worked with Christopher Judge to find the voice of T'Challa, so... I guess they're going for some sort of consistency in their adaptations when they want to make Wakanda feel like a real place that has a consistent sort of culture and dialect to it. But I thought that was cool that there was some crossover with the MCU on that front, at least. So I don't know if you feel differently. Yeah, that was a nice little addition. I'm sure it was to get the accuracy of basing how the voices sound uh, from people who, you know, actually live in Africa. Um uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's a good uh, addition, I thought. Definitely. So, why don't you let the audience know, Jack, this new direction for T'Challa, though, because I'm, I'm sure we all love the, the vengeance-seeking Shadok Bozeman portrayal, but this is quite different. Yeah, this little piece of information kind of reminds me of how we talk about new Batman portrayals and where we find the character of Batman in whatever new story we find him in. So... For this example of Black Panther, we find T'Challa uh, in his, in like an older state, and it's not after the death of his father, like how the film found him. Um, he's been king for a while, he's wiser, he's older, kind of is not as, uh, you know, wet behind the ears as T'Challa was in the MCU. So, different portrayal, and like you said, like you mentioned how Crystal Dynamics has been doing that. For all the Avengers, uh, it seems like that they're being consistent with T'Challa in that it's going to be a different take on the character rather than uh, Chavik Boseman's performance in the MCU. Which I think is exciting because, like, don't get me wrong, I thought Chavik Boseman was able to, like, fulfill that regal feeling of King very well by the time of, like, Infinity War and everything. But I I think picking up with a T'Challa who within this universe as well, has a history with the Avengers, has a history with AIM. Um, This is picking up, like, the Reassemble campaign five years after A-Day, where before Captain America's death, um, T'Challa was working to have some sort of partnership between Wakanda and the Avengers that fell apart after A-Day. So now that Cap is back and Monica is dealing with not Andy Serkis, Claw, um, <laughs> to foster some evil partnership, the Wakandans and T'Challa are reconsidering working with the Avengers again. So, a very interesting plot, I think, to set up this expansion. So, I'm excited to see it unfold. I don't know about you, but I think hearing that stark difference in terms of motivation as well has me really interested. Definitely. I always appreciate new and interesting takes rather than the same sort of reused like origin story or whatever and this definitely seems to me going back to the batman comparison this is um not in terms of quality but this is like where we find ben affleck's batman uh in batman vs superman compared to where we found uh christian bale's batman and batman begins like this is more of the seasoned character rather than someone who's just sort of learning the ropes Mm -hmm. and i think that's a good direction for black panther as we are. I feel like we've already gotten that character with Ms. Marvel in the context of Marvel's Avengers, and 
it would make more sense, I think, in this universe that there's been, you know, years past since A-Day and then uh, uh, T'Challa is the leader of Wakanda, so you would imagine that he would be older and wiser and it, it would make sense that rather than doing the origin story within an expansion, we already have the established character of T'Challa, so I think that's a really good idea. Definitely. Um, are you disappointed at all that Monica's name was dropped in this recap of the story? Uh, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm over Monica. I think we all are at this point. Like she's really not that compelling of a character to me, and I feel like a lot of people feel that way. I'm sure we're gonna still see more of her after this expansion. Like I feel like she's like a year. I mean, maybe not. Maybe maybe she does. Maybe this ends her story in year one, and we get a new big bad. But something about something about it just makes me feel like we're gonna see her for a while. I feel like I gotta replay that villain sector because I thought our timeline Monica was dead. Yeah, she's lost to the ages with old man Hawkeye. So, what I'm hoping this reporting isn't going into is that this was one of her last deals she made and then maybe she we just see an email from her as a document in claws layer or something or like a video message from before old man hawkeye took her down but yeah i or, or I, nightmare I scenario she's just cloning Ooh. herself left and right oh i thought <laughs> This is embarrassing, but when you said nightmare scenario, I thought you were talking like Zack Snyder, Batman nightmare from <laughs> Dawn of Justice. I was like, ooh, but then I was like, wait, no, that was future imperfect, basically. But yeah. no, I, I, I gotta tell you, Zack Snyder's nightmare scenario was not top of brain for me, right there. Yeah, that's as I'm a, sure it is for you at all points. Oh, quite yes, it is quite literally always on my mind. <laughs> um, anyway, the I think. The runaway piece of this reporting this week was unfortunately uh, misunderstood. In the initial reporting from Entertainment Weekly, they said the War for Wakanda campaign, which would take more than 25 hours to complete. Some people were honestly smart, and I I know one Paul Tassi was like, LOL, no way that's true. A lot of the subreddit were like, please, no, this is not real. You and I, and Greg Miller for that matter, were all freaking out. Because we were like, the game saved, it makes so much sense. Why there was less content over the course of a year? They basically made a sequel, it's gonna be amazing. But uh, no, it's a 25-hour total campaign from launch to War for Wakanda. Which makes so much sense. (laughs) Yes. Um, But... The first blush of it, Christian. Mm-hmm. Wow, I stunned, completely yeah. stunned. Because what the main story is fifteen hours. How long to beat? Said twelve. Okay, twelve hours. So effectively doubled the size of the campaign in an expansion, which yes makes no sense, and we shouldn't have believed it, but we did. To be fair. Uh, destiny boy over here i'm pretty sure the taken king which was the big expansion for destiny was longer than the launch destiny campaign i could be misremembering maybe there's just more cutscenes, but i do remember that being a longer experience so not unheard of for sure so my rationale for this is that 
Entertainment Weekly is more on the film side of things, I feel, and like I said a thousand times before, the story here was Christopher Judge taking over the role. And everything else was kind of superfluous, in a way, where I'm sure whoever was writing this heard 25 hours and just thought, okay, yeah, sure, that's what this means, rather than 25 hours in totality, rather, you know. Video games take longer to watch than movies? Yeah, that makes sense. That's a big number. Yeah, and and there were were more, like, smaller mistakes that were changed. Like, I believe MODOK was uh, mentioned in place of Monica, and that was changed. So, like, those were sort of, I'm sure, to EW were smaller details compared to the bigger story at hand. Yeah. Uh, but for us, the crazy people, <laughs> <laughs> we were really paying attention to that when we we took it to the bank. And, to, and, and we found out it was 1929, and there was no money in the bank. Yeah, very unfortunate. Uh, Crystal did step out and clarify it pretty fast uh they said hey miscommunication they mean 25 hours total from launch to and including war for wakanda which if we do some quick maths check uh mm-hmm. like you said how long to beat put the reassemble campaign around 12 hours i think that took me 14 ish so sounds about right kate yeah was like yeah three to f- it took me four i think but for you it was three right i think it was three for me yeah and clint was like two <laughs> took me like one okay yeah so let's one say, and a half if i'm being generous yeah for the sake of expectations let's say clint took two <laughs> just yeah. so we can get the, the smallest number possible out of this weird math scenario mm-hmm. 12 plus three plus two is 17 hours that still leaves maybe about eight hours, including the operation, I guess, if they're going to phrase it that way, but the expansion story for War for Wakanda of T'Challa's campaign. Uh, I imagine they're going to include any story-based content in villain sectors as well, or additional iconic quest, excuse me, iconic quest lines. So I'd say six to eight hours is probably the best bet in terms of setting expectations am i off base here i think in totality that's fair potentially um mm-hmm. i mean we we never know because devs not to you know put them at, paint them in a bad light but they usually tend to highball the estimate um and it also like for them they could be playing the game in a totally completely different way than the actual like average player right and i don't think they're trying to like you know give any bad information they just are playing the game in the mind of a developer versus someone who might run through a game a lot quicker than than they would um so for me and i'm sure you felt this way as well we were probably expecting a more substantial campaign than we got for certainly than we got for clint and even more so than we got for kate so my mind was thinking like maybe like a four-hour campaign and then an additional few hours of like villain sectors and stuff to do around wakanda so yeah i would say like six to eight sounds good that Mm -hmm. sounds like a good estimate and it's to me that's that's pretty substantial i would say oh i completely agree yeah Yeah. that 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 makes me excited obviously i was stoked out of my goddamn mind for 25 hours but 
I, I still think six, and based off my track record, I take my time with these expansions, so probably seven or eight hours. Mm-hmm. That makes me excited. I, I think there's plenty of games that last between six to eight hours normally that I would buy for $60 that I really enjoy. Like, I know some people took a little longer than that to get through Miles Morales' story, uh, which Miles Morales is a great story. Obviously, they're probably not going to be on the same level of what they're doing or their approach or their direction, but that's not the point. The point is it's a free expansion for a game that you and I are both very positive on their story content, adding another six or eight hours. There's plenty of games that have really amazing campaigns that are six or eight hours. So I I have some confidence for this. Not as much confidence as I did for 25 hours, like I said, but still... I, I don't think it's fair to hold that towards them. Like a six to eight hour campaign is a six to eight hour campaign and that can be really good. So I'm excited. And like, yeah. And like what you mentioned, I feel like what often gets lost in the shuffle or in the weeds is every DLC for this game is completely free, which yeah. some games have done that before. Um, Battlefront two, for example, mm. I believe. Uh, but I mean, for big like story campaign like expansions having a free update for the game is so cool and black panther is such a really good and war for wakanda is such a good first expansion for the game where that character means so much to people that this is going to be i would imagine this is going to be pretty big for the game for Um, sure and it's and it's entirely free and the game right now i'm sure you can find for 20 or 30 dollars so in your mind or for like a new player's mind if they only wanted to play the black panther expansion which i'm sure you probably could yeah remember at launch you could dive into the multiplayer mode and captain america would be back on your roster they i'm sure they will let you play whatever order you want to that's been the track record so far at least so yeah so for new players who want to just jump into to play like a six hour black panther campaign 20 30 dollars i feel like that's pretty reasonable and i that might be appealing to a lot of new players absolutely and i'll I'll say this too uh earlier this week the play avengers twitter account posted some a recap from the dev stream last week after we recorded there was a dev stream that showcased some concept art for war for wakanda which all looks really nice really refreshing they tweeted out i believe on monday some information from that stream most notably saying that there are absolutely zero reused assets in the maps locations gameplay interactive items like the electrical barrels that can send out an aoe when you're fighting randomly the uh the healing pillars like all those things have been redesigned for war for wakanda because wakanda in universe took a different approach throughout their history so obviously their walls their infrastructure is going to look different and have different interactive elements to them so they dedicated time and resources to that which i really respect because like you're saying essentially if you want to just jump in for this it's kind of a black panther game that's built off the foundation of avengers from last year which i think is awesome totally and a big problem a lot of people had with avengers and still continue to have especially now is the repetition of this game and everyone always complained oh we're running through the same hallways and we still are 200 plus hours in but this is entirely new hallways and yeah the core gameplay will be the same 
but at least at the very least you get different looking environments that um you know if as it sounds they're going to be totally different than anything we've seen before and it's not just like a new fresh coat of paint it's in you know an entirely new house that we're dealing with so that's so exciting it's just completely new stuff and the environments sound really different from anything we've seen before yeah and keep in mind this is also introducing the next main area so like pacific northwest uh not new york um jersey city stuff like that like we're getting a new one of those areas to explore and it is being developed presumably entirely since launch so there whatever feedback they could have implemented we know wasteland patrols is coming up maybe they could implement some teases of what that's going to include to make these environments more interesting also yeah the general mechanics are going to be the same but you're also getting black panther who presumably based off of what we've seen in the cinematics and what we know of him as a character will probably play pretty different from the majority of the lineup maybe some similarities to cap but cap still feels a little stiff and black panther is very agile so yeah man i I think there's a lot of new exciting things that this expansion will bring that are reasons to be excited for absolutely and for all intents and purposes the ability to play as multiple iterations of the same hero will start with this expansion even though that's already in the game now for the majority of players who want to jump into a new expansion and play as the new character they're all going to be able to do that with friends because that's that would that would have been such a huge problem where oh black panther's out oh oh i kind of want to play as him but you want to play as him too like oh maybe you know one of us will have to substitute every now and then but we can all just you know players can all just jump in with their friends as black panther and that's awesome yeah exactly and it will it will help matchmaking for sure oh god yeah day one of that drop dude if people want to like get into some vaults and they want to matchmake but obviously everyone wants to level up their t'challa right like that's going to be very helpful i'm sure and hopefully they can ride that wave through the next content drop maybe like wasteland patrols that'll be nice to continue that trend but we'll have to wait and see other than that i think overall positive week for marvel's avengers we'll see what next week brings we were talking a bit before recording that super adaptoid fight should (laughs) be I thought it was going to be this week, but I guess it has to be within the next two. So I'll just say it drops next week. What are you thinking? Mm, that's a good call. I'm going to say next week we get Super Adaptoid the week after we get War Table for uh, War for Wakanda and we get release date. I will tack on. I think we also get the roadmap at that War Table. Ooh, okay. Good call. So going to be a busy, hopefully, two weeks for this game we will cover it of course every week here on the show but that's it for marvel's avengers so meanwhile in marvel mcu's got some business going on right now it's a pretty chaotic time for the the future of the mcu quick hits two little updates we touched on this briefly during our loki season two sorry loki season one finale recap but it's been confirmed Loki is getting a season two, and Loki is going to be in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Jack, where we leave off with the character, considering Multiverse of Madness is probably coming out first, what do you expect the future is for our Loki in these projects? I have a feeling that the Loki we find at the end of Loki season one 
will potentially be someone who's screaming at the top of their lungs and trying to tell people what is happening and like what happened although i'm I'm really not sure that's that's what my thinking is at least where he's trying to sound the alarm bells and be like hey kang is coming in a way um i also think it's funny that the loki season two confirmation is like <clears throat> a news story because like christopher judge i feel like we already knew that <laughs> i feel yep. like that was already news months ago yeah it was and I, I think i even talked about this last week i made a tiktok about it and some people were like when did they confirm a season two and then it was like an aside in a i think deadline article about how um the writer of loki was signed on for a star wars movie so like it's been out there now it's just official in the context of the mcu so there you go um i i'm very curious if multiverse of madness plucks him out of where we saw him in the end of season one or if Doctor Strange opens a portal, runs into that room, has a little discussion with him. He's like, all right, good talk. I'll, I gotta go. And then that's <laughs> it. But it's, it's exciting. And it's cool to see that Loki is going to have presumably a lot to do in the near future for the MCU, which is great because I love Loki and I thought he was gone when I saw Infinity War. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I guess... Last question about Loki right now. How do you feel about that? Because I remember when Loki died, some people were upset when the show was announced because they were like, oh, the MCU doesn't have consequences. Are are you bummed to see Loki back in action after he got choked out? Uh, no, I, I, do, I do understand the death has no consequences in the MCU. There's so many examples of that being the case. Uh, the one example I can think of of just completely refuting that as iron man it's very possible that some multiversal stuff brings a new iron man i sure hope it doesn't but i i get that feeling i at the end of loki season one i completely adored it and for me that justified loki coming back in the way he did so yeah no i I don't really take too much of an issue with that yeah i'm in the same boat because like comic books revive people all the time um sure like jason todd look at that right um Mm -hmm. I just think as long as you're doing something interesting and new, then yeah, go for it. Bring back whoever you want to bring back. And that's what they did with Loki. And clearly they have much more in store for telling a story with him that we haven't seen before. So I'm all on board. But Totally. Speaking of the multiverse, I, I saw this report earlier as well. Uh, Kevin Feige, I think maybe just last week, had a, quote, rules of the multiverse <laughs> meeting with Marvel Studios recently, which I think is joyful. Jack, I mean, I'm, I'm sure both of us would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that meeting, but what do you think went down in there? Paint me a picture. What's Kevin Feige's rules for the multiverse? Oh, man, I don't even know. That that man must have a labyrinth of a brain, especially right now <laughs> with, the, with the multiverse. So yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine. But I'm sure he has very strict rules and was essentially laying them out for future writers and current writers for that matter about this is how you need to deal with the multiverse Mm because it's going to affect a lot of future projects so i don't know what those rules are maybe we maybe we get a list here here are the 10 commandments of the multiverse as dictated by sir kevin feige 
uh, I don't know if we even get that or if we get through the multiverse saga, whatever that may be, may be and we get those rules just by watching the, the products. But man, yeah, I'm sure all the writers have a... I'm sure they're very confused, but I'm sure they have a better understanding of it now that uh, Mr. Foggy has uh, you know dictated his his rules. I would like right now off the dome i would like if we can brainstorm three rules we think are going to be consistent and then by the end of the multiverse saga we can look back on these rules and see how close we were okay do you have any off the dome yes i got one for sure okay um anything that is marvel film tv related in the past is fair game to be brought in however they have to be referred to as variants of mcu stuff we already have okay so i think like for example toby Maguire is a variant of tom holland that is the rule those movies exist in the multiverse but that story that character is a variant of the prime spider-man which is tom holland sure okay i i think that's gonna be a big one hmm all right for a similar one, let me know if this is too far, but knowing Kevin Feige, again, anything's fair game following that rule, but do not touch the Netflix shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Charlie Cox is going to come back in a big way. Yeah, I hope so. I really I don't do. know about I don't know about that rule. What about uh agents of shield do you think agents of shield is going to get some mm. big rule for this is it going to be uh it never existed or phil colson's alive still or <laughs> they're all scrolls i feel so bad for that show i know I feel so horrible because yeah he colson went on to have what how many seasons of that show a like lot eight, dude and then be like, oh, yeah, it's kind of not canon. That's, that ain't it. So I hope so. I certainly hope that's brought into the... I hope we get a mention, right? Because, mm-hmm. man, that's it's kind of sad for the people that like that show. Yeah. So I, I think we'll probably get some announcement. I saw somebody speculate that because we were waiting for Loki for presumably the Spider-Man trailer, like we discussed, that sometime next week Kevin Feige's going to say, hey, every Marvel thing you've ever seen is part of the marvel cinematic multiverse like put out a statement at some point so sure yeah um hmm. i don't know how to phrase this the only rule i can think of is that the timeline we have seen with the mcu is like capital mcu like that all happened and it all mattered and nothing that will happen can change any of that because i think that would Introducing a multiverse, you can see some possibilities where some things are changed or some some things that happened in the past were affected. But I think it's very important for the MCU to establish that from the Infinity Saga to now, that is like capital C canon and mm-hmm. cannot be altered in any significantly terrible way. I think that's a good one. That seems like something he put on a list just because... You know, I don't imagine he has many regrets from the output they have so far. I'm sure, like, he thinks things could have gone better. But all in all, I doubt there'd be much he'd want to retcon. Because 
they touch on some of the most divisive, like, story revelations of the MCU, I'd say surprisingly often. Like, mm-hmm. the number of times they reference Thor The Dark World, I know it's always making fun of that movie, but the number of times they reference that and, like, plot elements from that movie is very surprising to me, you know? So, I, I think you're right. I think the MCU so far, flaws and all, is probably going to stay rigid canon. Uh, yeah, I feel like that is that is really important for Kevin Feige, for the MCU, and honestly for fans, really, because it is such a fan-driven series, and to, to come in and just sort of wipe the slate, or I don't think they would do anything that drastic, or, or alter it in some way, or change the per- perception of the films that we've seen, I think that would be very detrimental to the mcu so i i feel like they're in some way i don't know how they're going to do it but they do have to establish that the the 20 plus films and projects we've seen are uh the most important in the marvel franchise sure i got one more for the third when it comes to recasting the explanation moving forward is multiverse however a multiverse explained recasting can only happen like less than three times in a phase Mm. maybe less than two okay so for instance i guess maybe at some point tom holland gets real tired and they're like you know what multiverse we're just gonna get andrew garfield we're gonna pull him into the mcu timeline (laughs) he's adult spider-man he'll mentor miles morales multiverse explains it there you go um i know they're not going to recast t'challa but i could see a world where like multiverse killmonger is nice so we got michael b jordan back and he's going to be the black panther now like something like that i know that's a bit less in the ballpark of what i was talking about but i do think the multiverse will be a way to introduce recasting in the future Okay, I am very worried about that. Yeah. I'm extremely worried about that. I almost brought up the rule that you can't recast through the... Or, you can recast, but no variant can take the place of a prime. Despite Loki kind of doing that, in a way. Um, Sure. Or at least he hasn't done that yet. He's kind of in a nebulous position right now. So, I don't know. I am worried about that. I am quite worried about that. Where, honestly just do the Don Cheadle route. Like, if someone needs to be recast, just do it, make a quick joke about it, and move on, rather Mm -hmm. than... Because I feel like it would be moving mountains, unless they set it up, uh, to bring in a character from a completely different universe with potentially a completely different background to replace a character. I feel like that that would be a lot. Yeah, I mean... I think there are instances, obviously it's slightly different because we didn't have an attachment to this character the way we do with a lot of the MCU cast, but I think there are instances of making that a meaningful story moment where, like, Into the Spider-Verse used that concept very, very well, I thought, where there was prime Peter Parker died, essentially recast within the context of the movie by Peter B. Parker, and then had... A really new refreshing take on spider-man that was also able to service the main character very well so i think it can be done that's why i'm saying i think his rule is probably if we do this we we all have to agree and it's like one or two times a phase 
Yeah, because the rules the rules of Into the Spider Verse were that every character, like it does, it, there is no prime character in a way. Sure. Where you know everyone, despite being different, is still mm-hmm. Spider Man at heart. Right. And I want yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if the MCU adopts that same rule. Because it seems like already with Kang, they don't. Because Kang seems different across. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Because when it comes to Kang, we know Jonathan Majors is playing. He played He Who Remains as well as he's going to be playing Kang. Loki is being played by Tom Hilston in the main timeline MCU and the show Loki what does that do for rule one where other versions of characters have to be variants so like tom holland is not toby mcguire you know so like how does that factor in very curious but yeah i i think we're in the right ballpark of thinking of what these rules probably are for his writers sure i would love straight up i know this would probably break the illusion I would love a dictated actual list. Here are Kevin Feige's rules of the multiverse going forward. I'm sure that will be a document mm-hmm. for like internal writers. Um, I don't think fans will ever get that, but man, wouldn't that be hilarious if just one day you woke up to a Twitter post and being like, here are the, the Ten Commandments of the multiverse. I, I think when Feige retires and writes a book, then we'll get it. Mm, yeah. But by that point, we're not going to be caring about the multiverse because it's going to be all about the metaverse. <laughs> so, Yeah, I do think that, um, like, we did get rules of time travel in Avengers Endgame. I feel like there will be, Ooh. In, in various multiverse stories, I feel like there will be conversations. Here, here it is, Christian. Multiverse of Madness, Doctor mm-hmm. Strange explains the multiverse. And sure. I think that is the closest thing we will get to definitive rules of the multiverse like you think some of those i mean i think naturally it would but do you think some of the things he says are similar to what feige gave out because i feel like people have been questioning fourth wall a lot this phase so Mm -hmm. maybe obviously not going to be the same exact 10 commandments but maybe some overlap of like we're putting two and two together with the way he's talking about characters of like okay well for the writers that's a rule for them too so yeah i think there will be universe rules that you can explain to the audience but then Mm -hmm. like i'm sure there will be like hey x character can't be with y character that is just never explained to the audience yeah um yeah i think there will be like the big ones that the audience needs to know i think those will be kind of blatantly described by characters and i feel like that would make sense for dr strange or someone in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to explain to the audience. Sure. Yeah, I think he nailed it. That's a, that's a great way to do it. So, We'll see. We will. Uh, in the near future, though, we're going to be seeing some awards for some Marvel content because there's a lot of awards. 28 Emmy nominations for WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier this past week. Uh, I see here that's history for Marvel Studios, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that... I was, like, blown away by how many Emmy nods that they got. Like, WandaVision itself got 23, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier got 5. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are incredibly well-deserved, and I'm, I'm very happy that, like, for example, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany were 
uh, nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress and Lead Actor, respectively. Uh, Catherine Hahn was Outstanding Supporting Actress, and, like, the list goes on. Um, as well as some, like, you know, music direction and uh, some, you know, production stuff as well. So I think that show is potentially the most impressive Disney Plus MCU show so far on a lot of counts. Um, so very well deserving. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it's probably going to be very tough for Elizabeth Olsen in that category, but I think she did a phenomenal job as Wanda and introducing us to this weird side of Marvel. Uh, so like specifically within Marvel, I think she killed it, but I think in the greater aspect of just being a television show, she was able to flip that switch from film to TV very, very well. I also agree with you. I think it's very impressive. I remember like the magic show episode that blew my mind. I thought that was incredible. So it, it makes sense that WandaVision, a show about celebrating TV in universe and having really interesting, unique production aspects to celebrate TV production gets nominated for the Emmys, which is a TV centric award show, you know? I'm sure more so than any other project in the MCU that, like, industry people and people who decide these sort of things really ate up WandaVision, not because of the connectedness to the MCU or maybe not even the story of Wanda, but just the whole production and, like what you said, sort of like the love letter to television. I think that's, that is probably reflective in the award nominations, despite it also just being an incredible show. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well-deserved. Agatha All Along didn't get a nomination, because that song is quite oh, good. Hell yeah. But, uh, interesting when we look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I think is less critically applauded than WandaVision in terms of being a production, but it, it did get some interesting nominations. The one that caught a lot of people's eye is Guest Actor in a Drama Series for Don Cheadle who had, I believe, about three minutes of screen time in that entire six-episode series. That's correct. Um, and he even he was taken aback. He was like, well, didn't expect this, but that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that... <laughs> it really makes no sense. Not to say that he was bad or that he was overwhelmingly amazing in the scenes that he was in. He was just kind of there. Yeah. And... That is interesting to me. Like, when you think guest actor in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I go to Isaiah Bradley. Yeah, and absolutely. Maybe it's because he was in more than one episode, and I don't know the criteria for guest actor, like, in terms of minutes or how many episodes you're in, but he's not... I wouldn't say he's a main player in that show, and I feel like he isn't in the show long enough to be a main or supporting actor and it feels more like a guest appearance in a sense maybe i'm wrong but yeah don Cheadle, i i just think that's really funny to me it comes across as like imagine if avengers endgame got some oscar noms and one of them was supporting actor and it was robert redford because mm. like that one scene he was in where he had that moment with tony and everything that threw a wrench in their time travel plan like that's what it feels like or like 
I'm forgetting the guy, but the Mad Men actor who plays Tony's dad, like, how he was in Endgame. Like, that feels like that, right? Like, even there, I think he had a bit more to do than what Don Cheadle had in the show, which, like, again, no disrespect to Don Cheadle. He's fantastic. He's one of my favorite characters. But... (laughs) Odd. Not would not have been my first choice for that show. No, it it is very odd. It's funny. It's funny that he acknowledges how strange it is. Yeah, I and think he, yeah, I think he changed his Twitter handle to like "Don't ask me." <laughs> yeah, man, so. that that must have been like the most pleasant and weird surprise that he could. Yeah, have yeah, very 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 strange. I mean, yeah, because in terms of Falcon and Winter Soldier, even like. I think the big takeaway from that show is the the themes they tackle. So I'm surprised Anthony Mackie, who was like carrying the brunt of that story arc, did not get a nod. You know, yeah, that that is very disappointing. He, I thought, I think we both think he was really outstanding and really took on that role very well. So it is a little sad that he didn't at least get a nomination. Um, yeah, it is a little distracting that. <laughs> Don Cheadle got a nomination, and some of the other actors who I think were deserving of it um, didn't get anything. But yeah, you know, I guess awards don't really matter at the end of the day. In certain don't. in certain senses, they do. But uh, in terms of like recognition and importance, I guess there is some you know value to them. But it, mostly, they're just you know whatever. Yeah. Speaking of, just whatever. Pretty good. <laughs> Let's talk about Black Widow. Black Widow has released finally after what feels like a decade of marketing and then going away and then marketing and then going away and then Florence Pugh not knowing when to start hyping up the movie on her Instagram. Uh, This is here. We saw it together. Uh, Good theater experience, I'd say. That was our first time back in the theater, I think, right? Both of us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it felt good to be back. felt good to be seeing a movie again with you. Oh, hell yeah. I don't think we've done since the rise of skywalker yeah so uh yeah good uh, i would say a better experience than that probably maybe yeah yeah, for for you at least don't don't you dare act (laughs) like black widow is in the same ballpark as the rise of skywalker jack martin (laughs) i think i would rather thing is this is a way different conversation i think i would rather see the rise of skywalker again but Black Widow's a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. No question. Okay, okay. That, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Um, before we dive in, obviously, theater experience was good. It was great to meet up because, again, that was our first time seeing each other since the old days. But mm-hmm. before we get into spoilers, spoiler-free general thoughts, what did you think of Black Widow? Um, I think your lead-in was pretty perfect. This was okay for me i was expecting sort of mid-tier marvel and that's kind of what i got for this movie it's certainly not a bad movie by any means but it's really not one of the standout mcu movies and i feel like for me it'll probably get lost in the shuffle when we're another five years into this and we have a hundred (laughs) more projects um but yeah it, it is sort of middle of the road marvel i feel like it doesn't excel at anything it offers and it doesn't really fail at anything at any point along the way it's just kind of average in a lot of ways and it's enjoyable i do want to see it again because i i came out of it not negative but not positive at the same time um 
so yeah, it, it's it's enjoyable. It isn't. I I was worried that the fervor of getting back to the theater would make my opinion of this movie a lot more positive than it probably deserved. Uh, but once I sat down and once I got over the fact that I was back in the theater, I was able to really reflect and take it on face value. And yeah, I feel like it's kind of a middle of the road Marvel movie that has some good moments, but nothing too great and nothing too bad at the same time. What about you? Yeah, I think I might be a slightly a bit more positive on it than you were. I do want to see it again, mainly because I went into this expecting it to be a swan song for Natasha. And I think, like, I was expecting to sort of get a passing of the torch element to the film. I don't know if I was expecting that to be the main attraction of the film. So now that I know that the majority of this film, the highlight is Yelena and introducing her and her future, maybe I can go in with that expectation instead of thinking this is like the final performance of Scarlett Johansson and look at it more as what it probably was meant to be of Yelena Origins, Scarlett Johansson produced this probably to make sure Florence P was set up for a very good run in the MCU. So having that knowledge, I think on a rewatch, I might like it more. I think I was just a little caught off guard by the vibe and direction of the movie. But overall, yeah, it was solid. It was it was good. It, I'd probably give I gave it three and a half out of five stars. Like I, I had a good time with it. I'd watch it again. Solid action movie. Funny moments. What I want out of a Marvel experience. So Yeah. I gave it three out of five, and for me, that barometer means that was a good experience. Like, yeah, that was, I enjoyed that. Anything below that is just like, eh, it was okay. And I, I said it was okay, and in the context of other Marvel movies, I think this is a good, a good, lowercase g, good Marvel movie, right? Sure. Like, it's, it doesn't do anything special, but it doesn't make a case for it to be, like, for me to consider this a bad movie, because I don't think it is. Sure, yeah. Um, it's just very standard. Standard issue yeah. in Marvel. Before we get into the spoiler discussion, I'll ask you this. Um, in terms of the release strategy, because I think on Disney Plus it made a good amount of money that I will be shocked if Shang-Chi does not release this way as well. Um, Disney Plus Premier Access had a good chunk. I, I think about as half as much money as what the theater debut made opening weekend. I think um, opening weekend theater box office was like, I want to say 80, and then Disney Plus premiere, I think, was actually 60. So it was, oh, okay. Yeah, it was a lot of money. So, yeah, I know internationally it made a surprising number as well, but I think that's a proven win for them for releasing at least Marvel in the future. I know it's been a little rocky with stuff like Cruella and Mulan for premiere access, but I'm expecting at least not counting spider-man i think the rest of the marvel studios films this year to probably release this way i was thinking that this would be the only one Mm -hmm. to do that but with like the delta variant and the state of covid sort of slowly creeping upward in a scary way in a sense in some places in the united states um and internationally it's obviously still kind of stagnant but um it would make sense for Shang-Chi to have Disney Plus premiere, and I believe it does, uh, 
and yeah, I, I feel like maybe through the rest of the year, like what you said, minus uh, Spider-Man, that it it seems like Disney Plus Premiere will be consistent, which sucks because I got spoiled. <laughs> I know. In some cases, people were posting images. Man, people have no shame. People have no shame. Yeah, Just like posting images. I'll say quickly. I do think that um, the main worry with a lot of the conversation about premiere access i know it was like oh theaters are gonna be pissed because it's gonna take a lot of their revenue out of it but i think it's close to parody to the point where it had a like i think black widow opened in theaters amongst this chaos around the same as like an ant-man movie or like yeah a couple other marvel movies that's like a pretty decent opening weekend i don't think it hurt the theater performance so i imagine they'll continue this but also in terms of spoilers yeah uh the mcu fandom needs to make a very clear distinction between television spoiler windows and movie spoiler windows i think because television it sucks because there's no set time for everybody to watch a new episode but television typically has live tweeting and stuff like that. So that's the thing you have to prep for. Movies, first weekend is like, no, <laughs> you know? like, Dude, uh, we unfortunately have lost the war. Like, it's over. There, yeah, we, th- we Spoilers will just be there. That's the, I, I feel like it's on, this is definitely a tangent, but I feel like it's on the social media platforms like Twitter to implement a spoiler tag where... Yes. If you want to be engaging in hot off the presses dialogue with images because you want the clout, because that's what this is all for, yeah. that's fine. As long as you can include a spoiler tag which hides your tweet, that yeah. is more than fine. Um, but yeah, at this point, we cannot convince the hearts and minds of people who only have the uh, avatar, the Twitter avatars of characters that they love. We've lost that war. <laughs> There is no convincing those people. They have sure. they have lost all sight of things. I will say that um, I, I think when it comes to the films versus TV thing, yeah, it's probably heightened because we're in a post-COVID age now where everything's available in multiple avenues. But when it comes to the Disney Plus shows... I think that's on you as a person to just not open your phone immediately. Like, you and I talked about this with Loki. We knew it was a big deal. We did not use our phones until we watched it. Mm -hmm. Maybe everybody does not have that luxury. Maybe your job is social media and you don't have time in the morning to watch an episode. At that point, yeah, like, your solution is probably fair game. But nobody's forcing you to open your phone in the morning. (laughs) You know, like, that's what my plan was for the finale. Again, I think it's very different for a film, but hopefully in the future we can deal with that better. I agree. So, spoiler talk. Um, I never thought I would see the day where Smells Like Teen Spirit was turned into a Bond song, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little confused at first about that implementation, and I was like, man, this kind of feels like a TV opening. Like, this feels like the Daredevil Ooh, opening, okay. you know? And I was like, why are they doing True this? Detective. For... Yeah. And I was very curious why they chose to do that. And then once um James the James Bond actually showed up in the film, like when she was watching mm-hmm. uh one of the movies, I was like, Oh, they're trying to make this into a James Bond movie and they didn't necessarily succeed at that. Um 
but yeah, that I, I guess that was an interesting introduction to this movie. Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't succeed on it the way that other movies that go for Bond did it, but I do think format-wise, it was following that uh, architecture in an interesting way. Like, I loved at the end how the confrontation with Drakov was her in his office, sort of the way like a classic Bond movie would go, and then he thinks he has the upper hand, and then he's able to do something and like that i really did like that moment a lot where um she broke her nose to trick the guy like that i thought that was a really cool implementation that showed natasha's skill kind of better than other elements of the movie because it also had the callback to how she manipulated loki Mm -hmm. in avengers so i i thought that entire sequence with her and drakov in the office at the end was very Bond, and it was one of my favorite parts of the movie for Natasha specifically. I did like her use, or like her her outwitting him, because she, even if she's like behind, there's always a way out. And I mm-hmm. loved that she used that, because when she was getting beat up by him, I'm like, what is happening? Oh, that's what's happening. Because mm-hmm. the pheromones, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Um, it is like a spy thing, so yeah. there is... She just changed her face a second ago, so that's not too out of the realm of possibility for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I did appreciate her using her wits in that regard. Really hated, despised his rationale for doing what he did, where he was going on a monologue, and then he gets to the line where he's like, I'm. he was like, you know, kidnapping all these women and using them uh, to do, you know, carry out his means. And he was like, I'm using all the resources that this world has too much of. And in my head, I was like, please don't say woman please don't say woman and he goes girls and i was like even worse like that has to be one of the worst things i've heard in the mcu like i can't believe that was they thought that was okay to say like like obviously a villain could be bad or whatever it's just like bad dialogue i thought that was awful (laughs) it was so terrible sure It, it i remember in the theater i was like when i heard the line i was like okay but it felt in character and i do think there is like a cheesy element to this movie uh, more than other marvel movies like i remember last week we talked about expectations and i was hoping best case scenario we got like winter soldier born identity spy stuff out of this right Mm. but i do think it was more of like the um pierce brosnan bond and oh yeah it's not the type of spy thing that I wanted out of it, but I did really like it as a spy thing. So if they're able to continue that in the future and maybe refine that formula and just make fun spy movies, not necessarily like Bourne-esque ones, the way Captain America went, I think I'd still be cool with that. I think there's a place for that in the MCU. And I thought I had a fun time with the spy elements of this movie more than the character stuff, which I think is my only problem with it. Yeah, so your comparison to Pierce, the Pierce Rosen Bond movies is very accurate because, and it, it's it's sad for me at least because I wasn't expecting it to feel a little bit more over the top than I think her character is supposed to represent. Like sure. she and Hawkeye at first were the only non-powered uh, characters in the Avengers and that was... Mm-hmm. To me, that was pretty important, where, like, she didn't use powers to uh, go along with the Avengers. She had other means of being successful in that regard. 
and a lot of this movie to me was kind of over the top where at the end of the movie she's jumping around <laughs> in a mid-air sky battle with taskmaster jumping on like platforms and stuff and i was like man we saw this at the end of the clone wars this is some jedi stuff that's happening and sure it's only for like 30 seconds but for me that kind of took it out uh took me out of the experience where i i was hoping for more of a grounded experience than we traditionally get in the mcu because a lot of the mcu is over the top because of the character's powers and we kind of got a little it was a little too over the top sure for me at least um yeah so yeah and i think there's an easy way they could have explained that because like in the comics at least in some arcs uh natasha's a super soldier like she has the serum Mm -hmm. and they already introduce alexi who is also a super soldier i feel like they probably could have buried that element of natasha's character in here and probably done a interesting reveal twist with that of like oh you were given the super soldier serum when like like alexi had a vial that he gave to you when you guys split up and you never knew like I think that could have been a fun, interesting twist that fits the vibe of the movie that would have made that a bit more in context, and it would also be in line with the comics. Um, that being said, I did like the joke that Yelena made about Tylenol, about her, but, like, you're right at the end. It's like, oh, well, she's she is doing, like, super soldier stuff, so right. maybe um, inconsistent. But. Another piece of praise I have for this movie is the just how hard the hits feel and like maybe it was the theater and because we were in like one of the like bigger theaters with the big screen sound but man i feel like more so than some of the other like hand-to-hand combat movies it just felt so brutal and i wasn't expecting that going into it especially with the fight between uh natasha and yelena when they first meet up yeah and they're just going to town and it just sounds and feels brutal and i i did appreciate that about the movie yeah i I really loved that for sure i'll also say this we kind of brushed over it but i really did love the introduction to the movie like up to the the title Mm. sequence just seeing natasha and i was confused a bit at first because it was like what 1995 ohio yep um and natasha is probably like 11 to 13 maybe Mm -hmm. and she's living a presumably normal life with a mother her younger sister and then her dad comes home and i remembered specifically in the theater i was like wait are they do pulling a spider-man homecoming thing right now because i remember in avengers one when the little girl brings bruce to natasha she's like oh no i started that young and i was like she looks older here maybe it's just a casting thing but then I didn't catch on until uh, Hopper came home and had his whole very serious thing that they were all, with the exception of Yelena, I think, uh, faking it and having, like, a spy facade. So that entire sequence I thought was very tense, uh, done very well, and I was really into that. I don't know if you feel the same way. I did like it. To me, it seemed like uh, Natasha had already been through the Red Room at that point. And then at the end of it i think she goes back um for like more training mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i did i did like that scene i liked not really knowing what was happening yeah um because of the espionage sort of aspect and them trying to get out of the country i did appreciate mm-hmm. um man something that i did, did not like was 
these characters started off with American accents because they were feigning it. And man, and, do they just have the worst fake Russian accents. Like that. And they're, yeah. they're American actors too. So like. Yeah, like, man, it just really took me out of it. I the One of the first things I said to you after the theater and we were talking about it was, man, how long do you think Yelena's accent is sticking? Because it it went away fairly quickly with, with Wanda, and I have to imagine that uh, Florence Pugh is probably going to drop that over the, yeah. the course of the next few films. I'll say I did think, just because of how over-the-top his character was, I liked Alexei's Russian accent. Sure. I like David Harbour in that position of like having that very thick, fake, cheesy accent, very, again, 90s Bond. So that worked for me. But yeah, I, th- I thought Florence Pease was fine. Um, I, I, like, I think there's an easy way to explain it away because look at the beginning of the movie, how quickly they flip that switch, right? Just be like, oh, yeah, she decided to just, while she's in the U.S., she's using an American accent and, or she's using her normal british accent i think that's where florence Pugh is from but like yeah just it can be explained away very easily because she's a spy so i don't think it'll last too long yeah and i feel like the way they spoke was kind of played up for humor and that's just another thing in this movie that most of the jokes unfortunately just did not hit for me i don't know how you felt about it but like if there were 10 jokes maybe one of them hit i'll I'll say the one thing that, comedy-wise, I felt conflicted about was Alexi, because as I'm seeing his character unfold, like, I I do like the way that Yelena has to deal with that, of, like, I thought the worldview and I don't know what to think anymore. Like, I liked her relationship with him, but uh he's kind of a shit person and he was like the comedic relief butt into the joke haha isn't this guy funny kind of surprisingly frequent for being that terrible of a character or not terrible of a character but terrible of a person in this Mm -hmm. story so like that was the only thing that for me didn't feel super great but um all of florence Pugh's, all of elena's jokes jabs and like one-liners i thought were funny but um yeah that, that was my take on the humor yeah she was probably the most consistently funny character in the movie for me at least yeah. mm-hmm. uh but yeah everyone else just you know didn't necessarily didn't necessarily do it for me yeah i i was let down by rachel weiss's role in the film i thought she was gonna have way more to do yeah. but that, that was a bit of a bummer that's so it's very strange to me the way this movie was paced because once they get to Alexi and they get immediately Rachel Weiss's character, the movie is like crescendoing at that point. Like they're going to the Red Room next. And it feels like the movie like starts and ends very quickly because like it feels like that's when the movie like really gets going and then it ends in the third act, like right after that. That was a little strange to me. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Because like a lot of the first half of the film is a lot of build-up and checking in with where Natasha's at, the stuff with Ross, the timeline placement. And I think at the end of the day, despite really having a good time with the movie, the the greater narrative beyond the movie, I think, hurt it a bit for me, where 
man, we waited this long for a movie about Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow, and I feel like she was the least interesting part about the movie, and she was already dead when we were watching this, so I feel like there couldn't have been that big of a character arc for her. Like, it was sure nice to see her sort of find peace with her family that she grew up with, but yeah, I don't know. And then also, like, maybe this was just me, but the way they did connections to Infinity War, I was like, oh, that's neat, but it did feel a little weird of, like, you know where I'm going next, audience. This is where I'm going next. And so, like, I think if the movie came out in 2017 and it was exactly the same, would not have questioned a single thing. But because we're watching this so far after Endgame, so far after we've made amends with losing this character, like, there was a disconnect there for me that maybe won't be there the second time I watch it, but how did you feel about the way it connected to the greater universe? Um, I... I think I, I'm kind of with you. I feel like the movie as it exists now doesn't really justify releasing, let's say, in 2020, a year after, like, when it was supposed to, um, and especially not now. Like, I know a lo- that's a huge criticism that a lot of people have, and I know people are annoyed with it, but it's so true. Like, this movie feels like it should have come out between Civil War and Infinity War, and... It, it felt like kind of the MCU was dipping back into the well in a way to explore uh, Natasha's character a little bit more and set up Yelena's character, and I, I don't feel like that was too justified. I feel like if we had a Black Widow movie that was that was post-Endgame and Yelena picking up the pieces after uh, Natasha's death, I feel like that would be a little bit more interesting to me, but... Yeah, like memento. in a way, or it just, you know, like, I, I don't feel like she, like you mentioned, she wasn't really, Natasha wasn't really the star of this movie all too much. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, it, I, I don't feel like it really sets up her character to proceed into Infinity War, really, like all that much. I know yeah. her whole thing is reuniting with her family in this, and she, that, I guess, sets her on her path to reunite with the Avengers, but we already saw from the progression from civil war to infinity war and it felt fine without this movie so i I really don't feel like we needed it truly i think with the exception of the post credit scene this movie could have been made the exact same way exact same like not a single thing changed again except the post credits and released in 2017 2018 and one of my main issues with it would have would not be there you know because it's like, oh, cool, this is what she did in her spare time when she was in hiding, and I wonder what's going to happen in Infinity War. That's a cool vest she's got, like her hairdo, you know? Like, let's fly off, get excited for the the big reunite moment in Infinity War, but yeah, and I, I, it, I feel like it has an unfortunate element of we should have had a Black Widow movie in Phase 1, and this movie got delayed to hell that maybe unfairly is hurting the movie for some people. I don't think it's my main issue with the movie, but like, I think the way it painted expectations is influencing my thoughts 
that's why I, I do want to rewatch it. I know you do too, and I think I'll probably feel maybe not a huge improvement in my viewing of the movie, but I do think it might be substantial if I know what I'm getting into this time. Yeah, going in with set ex- more set expectations. Yeah, like Yelena Origins rather than what you finally always wanted about Natasha. Like, I think that might make me like the movie more. I feel like if you... If they wanted to do an origin story, maybe have it span from her in the Red Room to, like, other parts of her life to maybe where we found herself at the end here. But just it having being an isolated situation between Civil War and, and Infinity War just and coming out after Endgame just, just feels strange, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Taskmaster? Because we're an Avengers podcast. We have <laughs> thoughts on Taskmaster. Um, and... Taskmaster in this film is not what I was expecting Taskmaster to be. Um, no, I was I was pretty surprised. Like they they got me with the surprise that they had. They did, yeah. I did not see that coming at all. Turns out, um, pretty major element of Black Widow's character turning coat and becoming a Shield agent was blowing up Drakov and that collateral damage for her dedication involved blowing up his daughter surprise she didn't confirm the kill and uh she didn't kill the daughter (laughs) no yeah how does that happen by the way how did did that pass by fury how did he not know that (laughs) yeah and and how she got seriously injured from that and he looked kind of fine and they're in the same room yeah i didn't think about that but so his daughter got uh injured he healed her best he could and then turned her into a a weapon similar to all these other girls he abducted and he put a chip in her brain that allows her to basically load up combat records um to help her practice because like they made it very clear it's not the suit that's doing the mimicry it is very much like taskmaster in the comics and the mc sorry and in the avengers game and spider-man photographic memory able to mimic moves based off of viewing watching and learning it's just there's a weird cybernetic element that doesn't help with that like it's still her but yeah that's that's the gist of taskmaster in this movie yeah, Taskmaster, just like any other appearance of Taskmaster, is fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really care about them all that much. Either villain, really, Drakeoff or Taskmaster. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, Pretty low. I'll say Taskmaster, like, I think is a really interesting concept as a character, and I'm fine with the direction they took. But, again, I was going into this movie expecting Widow Origins, sort of. You know, just like all-encompassing this is what you missed out on by not getting a black widow trilogy and at least in the comic i read black widow natasha romanoff came into shield at the same time as anthony masters taskmaster who they had a friendship they had a relationship together as co-workers and then there was fallout there so i thought we were gonna get taskmaster of like it was gonna be some faceless dude that we've never met before and she would be like oh you like well we had that history at shield together and i feel like it would have had probably the same impact as what they did here so i get making the change because it's more in line with 
what the film's message is and about Drakov as a character who is representative of a patriarchal society manipulating and abducting girls and using them. So thematically makes sense. Character relationship-wise also makes sense compared to the origins of Taskmaster. I've seen people upset about it, but I think you probably would have had the same exact impact if it was a faceless dude who says he worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. with her, you know? Yeah, I can't imagine anyone being over upset about Tony Masters being replaced, because at best, he's like a C-list villain, I feel, in Marvel. Um, yeah. And... It, yeah, I had no issue with the. I actually enjoyed the 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 twist in the, in the movie, and it made sense. Um, but as a character, I thought she was fine. Yeah, um, I don't think he talked much about Red Guardian. Do, do you have any thoughts one way or the other about him? Uh, I'm like slightly confused by him in a way, in terms of like so. timeline. Um, like was he fighting Isaiah Bradley? Is that the that's what i was hoping for i was hoping it was going to be like a oh so you fought that captain america but i think he was just lying yeah <laughs> I think that's what it was just a, a prison story to get him respect like for me in terms of like his overall character it it is sort of confusing in a way because he he was a spy and he did play like the straight man in um in the beginning of the movie and then he's just like this big fantastical over the top like almost drunken villain or uh you know slapsticky kind of guy when we next see him and it's like whoa that is like the uh, i know he's a spy but that is like a complete 180 turn yeah um and i wasn't so wasn't so sold on his character i really wasn't sold on most of her family's character characters except for yelena really Mm -hmm. yeah i mean overall i'm glad it exists i wish it came out way earlier but I'll say my biggest takeaway from the movie wasn't what I was expecting it to be. So, again, I'm sure I'll feel differently. But my biggest takeaway, very clearly, we're probably either getting a Black Widow series or a Black Widow trilogy about Yelena stepping into that role. So that's exciting. I think... Like I said at the top, Scarlett Johansson was able to produce this one. I think she probably made the choice actively of, hey, I'm dead in this universe. I'm done. This is my last thing. I want to set up this young, talented woman in this industry to have a future in this universe the way I was kind of robbed of. So on that level, I like it. It's just unfortunate that after all this time with a character we all really like, it was at the sacrifice of that. So, in the future, I'm very excited to see Yelena, Black Widow, continue this thread of awakening the other Widows or whatever other missions she gets sent to. So, yeah, I, I'm excited I, for the future. I feel like it is... I agree with you. I feel like it's a good launching pad... Excuse me, launching pad for um, Yelena's character, despite it not being the best Natasha story. Um, but yeah, I feel like... Yelena is already like a, a complicated character in mm-hmm. si- in a similar vein to Natasha. Um and we did we got to see like this is more of her origin story in a way. We get more of her background than we did with Natasha until like this movie really. Um so yeah, 
I agree with you. Going forward, I'm excited to see how her character grows after this. Definitely. Um, so I guess the only thing left to discuss is the post-credits. Oh, yeah. Post-credits. Uh, after Endgame, we see Yelena in a pickup truck with her new dog, who is named Fanny, right? After the fake Natasha uh, mm-hmm. identity. That's right. Um, goes into a graveyard, sees Natasha's gravestone, which I don't know if this was intentional, but <laughs> too little too late is something that I heard about in relation to this movie, and in many aspects I think it might be apt, and one of those aspects is oh, we never got a funeral for Natasha. So we see her sister, who we all really love at this point, go to mourn her at her gravesite, interrupted by Julia Louis-Dreyfus blowing her nose. I feel like that was like a, maybe unintentional, but it felt like a spit on the grave of Natasha after all this time, after everybody wanted a shred of respect for her in Endgame, and no. Yeah. It... <laughs> Wasn't the best. Wasn't the best. Um, no. But I do like. I do like the lead-in we get to, or like the tee-up for what we get next. Oh with, yeah, yeah, yeah. With um, her hunting down Hawkeye, I'm not sure. Like, I'm sure the rationale is um, that Julie Louis Dreyfus is saying, "Oh, Hawkeye made it out a lot. Like one person had to live, one person had to die. No one was up there except for Hawkeye." I'm sure she's going to say, like, oh, he's telling this side of the story, but I'm sure it was actually this way. And I'm sure Yelena is probably easily manipulated in terms of her affection for her sister. So um, I'm excited to see how that conflict blooms in the Hawkeye TV show. Oh, yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting that she's working with Val because as of this point, we only know that Val is also working with John Walker. So... Mm-hmm. I'm curious what that leads to because if she's if Yelena is part of whatever team is happening right now, or maybe she's just an agent of Val, we don't really know yet. Um, I know in the comics at one point the Thunderbolts had Clint Barton on the team, so maybe this is a way for her to just get to Clint and then recruit him to the Thunderbolts, and maybe Yelena and Kate hit it off and become friends or whatever and then go off and do the young avengers i think we'll see the resolution of this in the hawkeye series but yeah a very interesting very good final moment i think for post-grid scene yeah to have the target of val be an avenger is very interesting um yeah so yeah i wonder how they they wrap that up yeah um Hawkeye, I think, is still set for this year, so we'll probably see. We'll, we will be seeing Florence Pugh again in the MCU before this year ends. But yeah, overall, Black Widow, you added some stuff. It just it felt kind of bad, you know, yeah. just emotionally. Like, uh, what a like this a while ago. It does feel like the first MCU movie where it's certainly not bad. There have been, you know, much worse MCU movies, but it does feel kind of like the first one where it's like, oh, this kind of feels out of place 
in a way. Yeah, and it's weird because I don't blame the actual movie. It's like the circumstances around no. it that I maybe it's unfair. That's why I want to watch it again. But like, it it is a factor here. I think it it is really like what you said. If this came out in between Civil War and Infinity War, I feel like. I mean, the, the the conversation about this movie is fairly positive, but I feel like yeah. it would be even more positive. Because um, it, it does feel like a puzzle piece that was it's kind of missing, in a way. Yeah, and like I where think that's the, a... This should have been put placed mm-hmm. back then. And I do think it's a consequence of just what the MCU is, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that is an expectation from fans and critics going into these movies, is like, okay, there is an element of how is this working in the greater whole, where I think where it comes to something like Captain Marvel, there was wiggle room because there was not much happening in the greater universe in the timeline of that movie releasing, where here it's like, hey, this is a pretty crucial moment in this timeline, and I don't see why we didn't get this story back then. So I genuinely think, like you're saying, for me... That is the element of the film that is giving me my most pause. And taking that out of the equation, I would probably give it a four star. Like, I think I'd probably enjoy it a decent amount more. But that's why I rewatch will help. Yeah. Um, where would you rank this? Uh, do you have a ranking of, like, where you would place this? I do. Um, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, I know... You have your locked-in ranking of the MCU currently, right? Yes, I do. Okay. Where do you have it? So, of the... This is fully updated, I believe, including Loki, so... It should be 27 projects right now. Out of the 27, this is at number 21 for me. It is... um, Below... uh, Captain Marvel at 20, and above Ant-Man at 22. Gotcha. Okay. That's... That I'm in a sort of similar scenario. Uh, I have watched, including Loki, 22 MCU projects. At the moment, I don't have Infinity War, Endgame, the other two shows, or Far From Home ranked. But for me, at the moment, it is number 15. It is below Iron Man 3 at 14 and above Iron Man 1 at 16. Okay. So that might change on a rewatch. Uh, but for now, yeah, it's going to be the top end of the bottom half of my list i think sure so better than some other stuff but not the best so yeah definitely mid-tier marvel for sure so i'm curious when we'll get announcements of what's next for these characters maybe at the end of hawkeye or a new marvel investors day but until then jack we'll be back here every week talking about marvel and where can the agents of excelsior find you you could follow me on Twitter at Fascinated Jack. What about you, Christian? You can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok at Chun2D2, as well as here, youtube.com slash joyclicks for the video version of Excelsior, alongside all of our other podcasts like Jedi Knights and Gamescast in their individual podcast feeds. If you enjoy the show and you want the audio version, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your service of choice. And leave a review or rating if you think the show deserves it, because it takes a quick second and it will help us out a whole lot if you enjoy. But if you want to involve yourself with us further, patreon.com slash joyclicks at the $1 and $5 tiers. $5 tier will give you producer credit on this show, 
and every show we do, like Chris Sakas, Aaron Easton, and Charles Applin. So thank you very much. And that will do it for this week's Excelsior. Black Widow, you did all right. Well, on to the next one. So. Yep. You were you were fine. We appreciate you, but that's about it. Yeah. I I feel like I'll look at what if the same way, if I'm mm. being honest. Like it's cool. At the end of the day, how important is this? Yeah, that's a good that's a good way of looking at it. It is a good so, movie. It's just you know. Yeah. It's, it's a good fun. movie, and I want more of them even. You yeah. Know? Just about this new character that was the highlight. So. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. But until then, Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs>